Bible says he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. One of his brethren. Now, there's a reason why we have brothers in that verse twice. How many of you know the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses it shall be fulfilled? So you better be a witness right now. Moses knew who he was looking at. He knew what they were doing. He knew who that Egyptian was beating. And he saw one of his brothers, one of the Hebrews out there, and he was being beaten. So Moses did what any good Hebrew would do. He looked this way. He looked that way. He said, I don't see anybody around. And he, he, he murdered him. Look here in verse 12. He looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and he hit him in the stomach. That's right. Moses. He murdered him. We don't like to talk about that. There's a whole big deal about that later on when you get into the book of Jude and you have the devil and you have the archangel Michael arguing over the body of Moses. There's a reason why they're arguing and they have to deal with that right there, the wicked is set from other time. They're arguing and they're fighting and of course you know what Mikael says. He doesn't even mess around with the devil. He simply says, the Lord rebuke you. Some of us need to learn that lesson too from right here. When the devil steps on your toes, when the devil tries to take your joy, when the devil tries to ruin you, do what Michael did and say, the Lord rebuke you. You know what? You can do what Jesus did and say, get thee behind me, you little rat. Remember what the Bible says. Moses knew, however, he was a Hebrew, and his mother raised him, so she weaned him and brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. And I guarantee you, in that time of weaning, she pounded every bit of truth in his head she possibly could. Praying every day, Lord, don't let this leave his life. And I know moms and dads right now are praying for their children. Some are serving in the Army. Some are serving in the Marine Corps. Some are in the Navy. Some are in the Air Force. Some are in college. And moms and dads are on their knees every day praying, God, let that truth come back in their heart, in their minds, in their life. I want you to know, do not give up on your children. Remember, if Moses can come back, your child can come back too. Moses knew he was a Hebrew, and his mother raised him. She weaned him and brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son. He goes out to look on his brothers and sees an Egyptian beating one of his brothers. And, of course, the Bible tells us twice about being brothers. He looked say, that way, this way, and he murdered the Egyptian. And the Bible tells us to get him in the sand. And that's what we're going to talk about. In the sand. You may have something this morning. You think nobody knows about. You may have something in your life, something in your heart. You think no one's around, nobody remembers. I'm glad I got through that. I hid it in the sand dunes. I'm not telling anybody about that. Can I be candid for just a moment? Of course I can. I'm the pastor. You know? I've been preaching for 27 years, 28 years, somewhere around there. I can't remember how long I've been preaching, how long I've been pastoring, but I can tell you this right now. Inside of that pastoring time, many couples have come to me and many have brought problems to me. You know what one of those main problems is? Is I just now found out he had a secret. I'm thinking, or she says, I didn't tell him that I did that. They had hidden in the sand. You know, it happens all the time, everywhere, in every place. So I had that talk with my boys years ago, all four of them, one by one. And I told them, I said, you need to make sure you know who your wife can be. Know her. Know what she thinks. Know what she's thinking. Know what's in her past. Know what's in her future. Know what's there. And one day, my third son, Jude, came home. He said, Dad, he studied about China. 
sometimes they're giving in marriage, and they don't know who their wife is. Is it true? And some husbands don't know who their wife is. And I said, well, son, that's true. Everywhere, every day of every man. Woo! <laughs> There's a big difference, though, between hiding something in the sand. And you might have something hidden in your sand right now. And you've been hiding it for years, and you've been praying that nobody will find it. And you're praying it won't come back up from your past. You looked both ways like Moses did, and the coast was all clear. right there. Inside those sand dunes right there, perhaps very similar to what Moses did that day as he takes that Egyptian and he kills him and he drove him out into the sand and the Bible says he buried him in the sand. Why in the sand? Because we in Texas know you ain't digging more than a foot or two here without a tanker's bar and a backhoe going up there. He went out to the sand because it was easy and he buried him in the sand and he thought, I've hid it away. And you might have that kind of secret right now in your life you've been hiding it for years, but just like in Moses' life, the wind begins to blow, and the sand begins to move, and tremors and shakes, and mighty armies walk by, causing that sand to move. And eventually, the little thing is like a I know it's just a bone, whatever it may be. God begins moving in your life, you feel the sand shaking your heart and your life. What Moses thought was a secret turned out to not be a secret. Look with me in verse 13, the Bible says. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me? And you might be thinking, my secret is well hidden and nobody knows. But I want you to know that there is no secret from God the Father. What you say inside of your heart, He hears as loud as the thunder. There is no secret from Him. What you think you've hidden away, what you think you've buried away, what you think the world cannot see is plain as day to God the Father. Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared, the Bible says. said to himself, surely this thing is known. Well, hello, it is known. How many of you know there's no secret inside a Baptist church? What you say here at the altar to somebody will be back in the fellowship hall in less than 32 seconds. The truth. There's only one secret you can have, and that's when you come to Father God and you pour your heart out and you say, I'm opening up all the sand dunes, and I want you to look inside all the skeletons I have in my sand dunes. That's all. We're going to all the skeletons I have there, I want you to see them. The Bible gives us a warning about when we hide our sins and when we cover our sins and we try to make excuses for them. Look with me in Numbers 32, verse 23. This is Moses speaking. He says, If you do not do so, then take note. Ye have sinned against the Lord your God, and be sure. Be sure your sins will find you out. Let me tell you from personal experience, that is the truest scripture you'll ever know. 
when you sin and you think you hide it, I want you to know everybody knows it. You're like Moses, looking left, looking right, looking anywhere and everywhere, thinking nobody knows. But God knows. God sees. And I want you to know, Father God has a way of letting your sin find you out. That's why it's so important as a Christian to repent publicly before God makes your sin known publicly. Ask David when he tried to hide his sin. He tried to cover it up with murder. He tried to cover it up with lies. He tried to cover it up with, well, it was her fault. She was just too good looking. True. It's her fault. But he did not repent publicly for God's sin making the problem. He brought it out in front of everybody. He said, now I Look with me in Luke 12, verses 2 through 3. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed. I want you to think of Moses' dead body in the sand. As we draw out from him this morning, things Christians should learn, things Christians should do. There is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed. God wants you to lay your entire heart out to Him. God wants you to give control of all of your life to Him. Not parts, not pieces. He wants every bit of it. And that requires your passion. Let's move on to Moses. Because I'm not getting a lot of amens on that. Let's hit the nail on the head this morning. From a well to a wedding, Moses took off. Remember? He took off saying, Pharaoh knows this. My secret is out. And you know, we like to do that all the time. When everybody knows something, we just run away, don't we? That is not biblical. Biblically, we're supposed to stand up, face it, repent, and move on. When we hide and run, we create a lot more trouble. Moses runs from Pharaoh. He runs from his family. Church ends up at a well. Look with me in verse 15 of chapter 2. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now, that is such an interesting verse. Of all the places in Midian he could have went to, the Bible says he sat down by a well. What is going on here? All these wonderful places that are in Midian, towns, there's people, there's sheep, there is the high priest Jethro. And he chose to sit down by a well. You know what's happening here. Moses is inside of what all Christians go through sometimes. You know what I call it? The most powerful pity party. I'm feeling sorry for myself, but I'm running away. Nobody loves me anymore. Everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. I'm just going to sit here by this well, and I'll just drink water till I die. So along came a woman. Go like this, guys. Women can change a man's life just like that. Look in verse 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. You think you got it bad, Dad? This man had seven daughters. And they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flocks. 
Then the shepherds came and drove them away. This would be the Midianite shepherds. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flocks. When they came back home to Reuel, incidentally, that's another name for Jethro. He said, how is it that you have come so soon today? He's grown used to his daughters having to wait and having to wait and having to wait until all those Midianite shepherds were done. How come you've come home so early today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, And where is this gentleman? Why do you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. Moses went from a well to a wedding. Isn't it amazing how life changes when you start to change your focus? I want you to know that Moses' focus changed from poor, poor, pitiful me to, wow, that's a good-looking gal. His focus changed from my life is in shambles to I see somebody who's full of life. Isn't it amazing how life changes when you change your focus? I think it's amazing to me that when Christians sin, the last place they want to be is in church. When really they should be in church seeing how full of life everybody else is. Get back up. Get right with your God and get back to work. Amen? Isn't it amazing how life changes when you change your focus? Moses went from pity party to having a party. He went from poor, poor, pitiful me to I'm getting married. I think it's amazing how a good woman can do that. Look with me in Proverbs 31 and verse 10. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, who can find a virtuous wife? This is a rhetorical question. It means if you find a woman, that doesn't mean she has to be beautiful. That doesn't mean she has to be a head turner. That doesn't mean she has to have all the assets that most people think is in a beautiful woman. No. Proverbs 31 is talking about who can find a virtuous one. This is a woman you can trust with your heart, trust with your soul, trust with your life, trust with your children, trust with your checkbook, trust with your reputation, trust with your everything. Who can find that kind of virtuous woman for her work? It's far above rubies. When you get a woman like that, there's nothing that can go wrong in this world. When you have that kind of woman in your life, blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything is A-OK. Guys, you should be saying amen right now. Do you see the picture here, what's going on in Moses' life? Are you asking God? Hey, ladies, are you asking God for a Moses right now in your life? You've got to start being a shepherd. That's right. When you want a Moses in your life, you've got to start taking care of some goats. Don't you say, I ain't doing that. I don't want anything to do it. You distance yourself from it. No, 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 no. That's yucky. That's nasty. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not getting my hands dirty. If you want a Moses in your life, then you've got to start being a Zipporah. And Zipporah was a shepherd. Somebody say amen. You've got to start tending to the flock. Incidentally, that's what the church is all about. We are the sheep of His pasture. Do you see that picture here? Have you been on your knees saying, God, give me a Moses. God said, be a Zipporah and I'll give you one. Be a Moses in my life. Be a Zipporah in His. Incidentally, every little Jewish boy knows what happens at well. It's all throughout your Bible. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Torah, you know what happened when Isaac's servant went to a well, don't you? Genesis 24. 
ding, 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 ding. What happened when Jacob showed up at a well and planted one on his future wife? <laughs> Moses at a well. And we have a picture in the New Testament of Jesus showing up at a well. Jesus at a well in John chapter 4, and it is a woman who comes, and she's been praying for Moses in her life. She wants to deliver She was looking past the shepherd. She was looking past the husband. She wanted a deliverer. She wanted a provider. She wanted a protector. Church, she wanted Moses, the lawgiver, strength in her life when she met with Jesus Christ, the Savior. She met the sacrifice. She met the Lamb of God as she was asking for a shepherd. Think about that. Here she is at a well. She meets Jesus, and every Jewish person ever reads the Gospel of John is the first person they have. Who's getting married? It's so funny you should ask. Because Jesus brings that up to Who of you married? You've been with this many people, and the man you're with now is not your husband. And then reveals to her that she is the Messiah. You know what happens. She gets saved, and she goes into the city and starts becoming a shepherd boy. I'm going to get my hands dirty. There's goats, there's sheep, there are lambs out there that need to be brought to the water. That takes us to point number two. Number one is, you have something hidden in the sand. God has a way of bringing that up out of the sand. If you are in a life of a pity party, you need to get to the well. And incidentally, the well contains the water of life. You can either get into the water or you can sit outside having a pity party. Either way, the choice is yours. You need to get with Jesus. Let's take a look at the third one again. The burning bush. Notice we did all this in the young part of Moses' life. Exodus chapter 3. If you just flip over there with me and extend a few minutes on this one. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. Remember Jethro has another name. Jethuel. His father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb. That is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And I have a picture here for you of what that bush may have Stop and think about what an amazing sight that would have been. You're walking through with your sheep one day and to see the glow on the side of the mountain and to look up and see that bush on fire and that bush was not burning up. And you might begin to say to yourself, that is some super, that's got to be mesquite, amen? That has got to be mesquite wood. How many of y'all know that Israel and Texas are very, very similar? That's why I can stay in Texas happy at the moment. Go like this. That's why, you know, we even have blue bonnets in Israel, y'all. True. They don't call it blue bonnets, though. You know what they call it? Texas flower. No. <laughs> but they have plants very similar to blue bonnets. And they look the same. And they're actually cousins to this. So, here we have this burning bush. Moses came across it. All his life, he had been hiding. All his life, 
his praise, no one would find that body. And when that body was found, he ran and ran and ran to the fastest little legs to carry him. And he ended up in Midian next to a well where he met Zipporah. And every day he was on his knees saying, Thank you, God, for the change of my life. Thank you, God, I don't ever have to go back. Thank you, God, I don't have to face my past again. But I want you to know, God is the way of bringing you back. God is the way of bringing you back to look at Christ in the face. And you might be saying there this morning, I buried my sin away, Pastor. No one knows about it. It's time for you to be repentant. It's time for you to say, God, I put something in a sand dune, but you know all about it. I know you do. And I would rather make amends right now than be standing there on judgment day saying, I hid it for my wife. I hid it for my children. I hid it for my church. I hid it from everybody. But you know, you can't hide it from God. And here is this brand new book. What did it take to stop Moses? Apparently, a burning bush. Could it have been a stop sign? A red light? What about a big mountain goat that Moses might have said, Man, I want to add that to my flock? Nope. Moses would have been like the rest of us. I ain't going up there. Too much like what? It's too hot. Can't take too much there. I saw a burning bush. What did it take to get this? Some people are saying, I wish God would speak to me. I'm telling you right now, if you look back in your life, there's going to be burning bushes that have over the place. And you won't like my life. You didn't stop. You didn't listen. You didn't go to see what God was doing. This is our third point this morning. Our third point. What did it take to stop Moses? See, Moses had become extremely self-centered. No longer was he God-centered. He was self-centered. Look at in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's find out what the New Testament says about this experience. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, look back with me. Next chapter 2. Moses said, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush was not burned up. Please understand it wasn't the fact that the bush was on fire that caught Moses' eye. It was the fact that the bush did not burn Stop the things that's going on in your life. You ask yourself, God, I'm on fire and everything's burning, and everything's hurting, and everything's hurt. You're not burned up. Time for you to stop and talk to God. If you were to go a little bit deeper into Exodus chapter 3, you would find out that Moses has a dialogue with God. In fact, God actually speaks to Moses. He says, Moses, Moses. That's more scriptural evidence that God had to tell him then twice. Moses, Moses, take thy sandal off thy feet, for the place where on thou standest is holy ground. And he just sang that song. We are standing in his presence on holy ground. Can you hear the brush of eagle wings right now? Can you feel him all around? Moses. That day, and he heard the voice of God. 
into dialogue with God. I am Moses. God says, I am the God of your father. God of Abraham. God of Isaac. God of Jacob. You know, the one your mama told you about. The one your mother put in your head that you so readily put aside all those years ago. When you stepped out from Pharaoh's house and you knew that God had a plan for you and you knew that God had a reason for you to be there and you said, I will deliver my brother from the Egyptians and you took matters into your own
full body to say, well, Pastor, everybody knows what I've done, and now I'm sitting at a well saying, what do I do now? I'm waiting for his report. No, no. You've got to get up and water the flock. He didn't get the poor until after he watered the sheep. He did the same thing to do. Time is wasting, and we're sitting by a well saying, poor, poor, pitiful me. And last but not least, when God shows you something, and we read extensively in the book of Hebrews about how Moses chose not to be a child of Pharaoh's daughter. You have a choice before you this morning. Turn with me to John chapter 1 and verse 12. Turn with me to John chapter 1 and verse 12 and read this again. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Would you? willing to choose to be one of God's children this morning? Would you be like Moses and say, I will no longer be one of Pharaoh's children. I will be one of God's children. The Bible says that if you believe in Him, if you receive Him, you will be called a child of God. Perhaps you've been sitting there this morning saying, how do I become a Christian? Well, the invitation is there and it's for you. You must believe and you must receive and you must put Jesus in your heart and in your life. And that's what that invitation is for. And I'm asking you to come down this morning put Christ in your heart. Or perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian. But what do I do now? Or perhaps you say, Brother Josh, I'm looking for that church to be a part of. I'm looking for that family to minister in. Would you be willing to come this morning? Or perhaps God is calling you to another ministry. Perhaps you see your own bush burning. You stop and you spoke to God and He says, I have a job for you to do. Would you be willing to come this morning? Whatever it may be. You know, quickly, I'd like to take you back to that very first example of the body in the sand. Perhaps you have hidden something in the sand. You don't feel like you're worth anything now. You don't feel like Anybody can use you. I would love for you to be able to follow through with what you want. You were to reach into your pocket and pull out a hundred dollar bill. And tell me how much you would be worth in that hundred dollars. Which is not much in the state of Texas anyway. As gas continues to go up, that's twenty dollars is not a lot. What if you were to float on the ground, stomp all over it, crumple it up, throw it behind you? Put it in the trash can. What would it be worth? You might have been stomped on. You might have been crumpled up. And you might have been cast away and thrown away as trash. But I want you to know in God's eyes, you are still worth the one you got If you will receive Him this morning, you can be a child of God. If you really come this morning, let's pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I want to thank you so much. For your word. And I pray right now you take charge of this time. And if there's anybody who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anybody, Father God, who needs to get their heart right with you, anyone who needs to learn, be a part of this church, Lord, or anyone who needs to come through with baptism, whatever it may be, Father, would you let today be that day? Would you let now be that time? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you come as we sing? Without me. Would you come this morning?
there as pastor. I got baptized when I was a kid, but I ain't never been saved. She comes this morning and she puts Jesus in her heart. She says, I didn't know Christianity was a relationship. I thought it was religion. So if you're going to support her and pray for her, would you say amen? amen. If you're going to love her and welcome her into God's family, would you say amen? amen. That sounds unanimous to me. So we'll be talking about what you need to do next to be a part of God's family and God's church. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to head on back. We're getting ready to partake in the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to ask a couple of my people to come forward, please.
word received of the Lord that was thought that delivered unto you. But the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he bread, and he was given thanks, he breaks it and says, Take, eat, this is my body, this is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. At the same manner also he took the cup from the structure of this cup of the New Testament of my blood. This do you as often be gracious in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. As we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, let us remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let us remember His body broken for us. Let us remember the price He paid. Let us remember that we are healed by His stripes. Let us remember that He willingly laid down His life that we might be healed. As we partake of the bread, let's remember the special gift He gave us. As we come back to the blood, let us remember we are redeemed by precious blood. Not ordinary blood. Not just blood, but precious blood. Innocent blood. Sinless blood poured out because God loves you. Apostle Paul reminds the church that night at Corinth how to perform the Lord's Supper. He says, I'm going to give to you that which was also given to me. That the Lord Jesus, that same night, that same night in which he was betrayed, and he knew that betrayal was coming. He knew it, and his heart was heavy, yet he still stood back and said, I give my life willingly to you. That same night in which he was betrayed, he took that bread. When he was given thanks, he breaks it and said, Take it eat. This is my body. This is broken for you. This do remember to me. Brother Dave, if you came to the Lord's church. Remember the precious blood poured out for us. Let us remember what it cost for our salvation. Let us remember that without blood, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And let us remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Brother Jones, if you would be able Church, you also took 
Closing prayer. I want to see you tonight, 6 o'clock, 4 30.